Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode uh, 625, recorded today, Wednesday, the uh, 1st of July. Goodness, that's proper summer. Although it's actually nothing like as hot as it has been uh, in previous weeks, which is kind of quite nice because it gets very warm in here. And then we see the flat roof. It's like a radiator when the sun's been on it for a few days and it's... Uh, our cheapy uh, and noisy air conditioning just cannot cope, uh, so I'm quite pleased not to have it on, which is all right. Uh, this is the podcast to do with uh, music technology, uh, recording, um, electronic music, production, live shows, all that kind of stuff, even a bit of streaming, I mean, because we're streaming to you. We're streaming to you actually via YouTube, Facebook and Twitch. If you want to, we, we've stopped doing the pre-show on YouTube just because of production uh, constraints. Uh, we actually just pre-show uh, is on Twitch, so sonicstate.com slash, sorry, twitch.com tv slash sonic state i think is the uh, the one you want um, we also want to say thank you very much to isotope who are providing a new prize in fact we're going to be giving away a copy of stutter edit uh two this week uh those of you regular viewers will have seen uh bt on the show sort of not talking about it but then uh then just letting slip a little a few facts but now we're here but anyway uh let's say hello to everybody well, we'll start off with uh hmm let's start off with mr Yoad nevo there in nevo sound in uh, london uh still he, oh wait a minute is that the middle xd it's mi- it is. mixed suite. Uh, mini- Joad actually asked me uh, a few weeks ago, can I measure the underneath of the Minilog here to see if it will fit in his Neve? And now you have a new master keyboard in your, in your Neve. Yeah. So you've got a Minilog and XD it- in your master section. Yeah, and it fits like uh, an LJ Simpson glove. Oh, wow. Awesome. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's really it's a tight fit, but it sits in perfectly. And actually, it, you know, I, I had the, the BeatStep Pro in here, but what I did, I don't know if you can see it. Um, I actually took out a bunch of faders because I can bypass them. And for summing, I don't use them. And for recording, I don't use them. And I actually fitted the BeatStep Pro. <laughs> no, you awesome. can't really see it. I can't. I, can, uh, I can't see the. I can see where it is, but I can't quite see how it's fitted. So it's fitted. It's like super, super solid. It's like a part of the desk now, uh, and it's actually quite cool because it's on just right. here. It's very accessible, and all the controllers and stuff. And this keyboard is really good because I used to have a two and a half octaves keyboard, and just having three octaves makes. Uh, so much difference because you can actually play um and i'm really pleased with uh with the sound of it as well and with the you know custom oscillators and stuff i've been playing uh, around with those it sounds pretty awesome that's so so funny uh, so those those three parts uh, those are probably the cheapest parts of your setup, of your desk. If they were to go wrong, they're the most affordable things to replace. <laughs> I'd imagine. Yeah, and I had to. That. I had to actually. I had to actually. You know, because it's such a tight fit, and the connect, the power supply connector, I had to take um, to replace it with an L-shaped one, and uh, I had to do a bunch of stuff to to make it properly fit. Um, and so also, good. you know, the the on-off button is. You have to press it, so I actually had uh, kind of fixed it, so it's always on, and obviously turned off the the you know auto the power auto yeah. the ah, auto okay. power yeah, that'd be a drag. If you have to dismantle your yeah, desk to turn the not... synth on, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I'm really, really pleased with that. Yeah. The things people do in lockdown, eh? Well, Yoad, uh, lovely <laughs> to see that you've uh, you, you've followed through on that. All, all my my part was very small, just a few measurements, but I'm glad you're, you're it, it's fixed oh, up. Oh, thanks for, you, for that. Anyway. Yeah, uh, Yoadnevo.com, do check out his stuff. And we also have uh, Mr. Rich Hilton, who's there in Connecticut, uh, and um, and the birds are singing. So that must mean it's fully summer. I think la well, I think the last few times you've been on, actually you've been on recently, but before that, it's always been kind of chilly. Because it's you know it's winter gets you get a heavy winter there. So what's the what's the summer like for you out there? Nice. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's gorgeous today. Very nice. Excellent. We've had and a that, bit of a cooling after yep. some rain, and uh, the birds are enjoying themselves That's close lovely. by the window here. Of course, Rich is often on the road with Sheik, which is uh, paused at the moment. But now, uh, I think last time we spoke, you were working on uh, or you were gearing up to working on some production stuff. Have you got got anything in the in the pipeline? You've been working on things. I have been working on things, and I've actually been working on a lot of different things. Um, but it's fun. 
Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing. None of it's done yet, but I'll let you know. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I look forward to that. Lovely to have you, Rich. And uh, flipping over to the uh, south coast or somewhere around there where the storks are, Dominic Hawken, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Mr. Wiggly. Good uh, afternoon. Producer, artist and uh, app developer. How the devil are you? You well? I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been carrying on developing apps, really, but more VSTs. I was on last week as well, which is fabulous to have me on twice in two weeks. So I haven't really done that much in the last week, apart from the same as what I was doing the week before. But oh, uh, it's, uh, I love I love Yoad's enthusiasm for his new bits of kit. It's fabulous. I can just imagine him getting so excited about getting the off switch going and all the rest of it. It's just it's, it's infectious. <laughs> really, really good. Well, ain't it just? I mean, that's the sort of the sort of things that keep us going. Uh, what have I been doing? I put uh, eight gigs of RAM into the computer. Uh, so I've got now, oh no, 16, actually an extra 16. I've done, uh, I can't think. Oh yeah, well, I've actually, I did, uh, I've had the Dreadbox Typhon, uh, which I've got, it's not sounding its finest there because I've got it doing lots of FM. But Must uh, all, those, all, those, all those baked beans. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, pretty Everybody much. Goes uh, the same place. What else? Uh, Modex had the Modex. We've we've got some stuff going. On. I can't remember actually. It feels like a long time ago, but obviously it's only a week, and I've I've completely lost uh, lost track of it. But well, lovely to have you all here. Uh, and uh, well, I, I guess the first thing to do is actually start with the Dreadbox Typhon, uh, which was announced I think the Thursday after the last show. So this is they're basically. It's kind of, they've gone for the light-hearted approach. 30 steps to an analog, good sounding and portable synth setup. There's Yanis there, who's the actual, who's the stripy t-shirt, he's the, he's the boss, the designer. And obviously they're very Greek because uh, we're seeing all the Greek background. So I think we get to it in the end. <laughs> so yeah, Cinevibes. Basically, the Typhon has uh, analog uh, synthesis with uh, digital parameters as well, plus uh, some Cinevibe. I think it's twelve algorithm Cinevibe. Uh, digital effects which are actually pretty cool I think it's really cool. so yeah and then the good news is that he can play because essentially it's a USB uh, I think it's an A type which is the larger a, uh, USB connector which I think actually is a really good idea because the thing about the tiny little micros is they snap off really easily uh, so it's it's bus powered effectively. Uh, it's a two oscillator analog synth with a 24 dB uh, filter sounds very tasty and uh, there it is. In fact, I think I played it. I got a little bit of. I did a fun Friday with Modi X. I think I, got, I think I played a little bit on this. It's a bit um, ambient, but you can you can hear some of the bottom end in this. That's it in effect. I'm adding some in real time now. going on anymore but yeah i won't i won't play anymore i'll see if i can find my headphones because now i can't hear anything uh, it gone? Uh, disaster talk amongst yourselves while i find my headphones because i'm completely deaf <laughs> well what everyone what everyone missed who wasn't on twitch was that thing sounding incredible the bottom end coming out of that thing that, that uh yeah. nick was playing before before you guys arrived it's just amazing it sounded great Sounded really good. Can you hear us? I got back. Sorry about that. That was good a bit stuff. of a. <laughs> I I need a slightly longer headphones. I just what I did is I spun my seat round to play Typhon here, and it pulled my headphones out, and then I couldn't find the end. But yeah, this is the news. Uh, brand new Dreadbox Typhon, um, and I don't know. I've I've sort of I've quite fallen in love with the sound. I mean, I am a big fan of uh, Dreadbox stuff anyway, so that's no secret. It's got, um, it's got that thing. Can I suggest something regarding headphones? Um, if you switch all your headphones plugs to XLRs, then you can always extend them using a mic lead. 
So uh, because the XLR has obviously three pins, so you get left, right, ah, and ground, common ground. So I I did it on all my headphones, so I can just uh, whenever I need an extension, I just use a, a mic lead. That's not a bad idea. Uh, apart from, I think putting an XLR on that might be just a bit, well. You can put the, you can put the connector. You out. can you can put it in your pocket. That's true. I need a studio set of headphones that don't fall out. That's very true. So who else yeah. is excited about the Dreadbox then? I, I know, Dominic, you know, have, yes. you got any, have you got any Greek synthesizers in your uh, panel? No, no. And every time I see them coming out, I'm, I, I really want them. And I heard you playing around with this just before we went live on YouTube. So the guys, I was just saying, the guys on Twitch probably got to hear it. And it wasn't so much the farty noise. It was the really, really deep sounding just the bottom end coming out the, the stuff and it just it seems to be like quite a a unique new instrument we're combining these these sort of looped um different lengths of of sequence bits in there as well i mean it just it just made me maybe feel a bit inspired to be honest because we had the uh, that amazing reverb a spring reverb with feedback yesterday which was genuinely to me like a new thing yeah and I'm sure other stuff combines the ability to sequence parameters and stuff, but not really in a small box like that. Um, they've just used the sequence a bit in there for, for sound creation. And the oscillators sound brilliant. I haven't had a chance to listen to the um, to the effects that much. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think this thing's really, really neat. They're very, uh, very inspirational, very, very unique quality company, I would say. Everything that I've heard come out of them just sounds expensive, sounds big. It's got a, a sort of vintage vibe to it. There's something about the oscillator and the filter that just those two things and the VCAs, that's what's analogue in this. And they did do the uh, Medusa, which was a digital hybrid, but this seems, feels like they got it more right. You know, this is, the sequencer is... Mm. Uh, it's, it's very simple to use. I haven't really played with it too much. Uh, it's got three three modulators. That's three, not five. Three modulators, which can be envelopes, uh, LFOs, sample and hold, or a step, a programmable step. And that goes to multiple destinations. So you flip between, you know, you say, you, but at the same time. So each one goes everywhere if you want it as well. So... That's kind of interesting. So it's not just like three mod slots, it's three sources, multiple destinations. Yeah, multiple. that's a really neat idea. And I only that's just a... discovered, I, I was happy with three by three, to be honest. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait a minute, why is that still doing that sound? Oh my goodness, it goes everywhere. You know, it's kind of, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yes, I can I can thoroughly, I don't know. I, Dread, uh, yeah, have you got any, have you heard any of the Dreadbox stuff on your big speakers? Because I think you should. No, have. not yet. But I think that I'm about to hear the Typhoon mm. very, very soon. Because uh, also, um, it's so small that I can probably find <laughs> just someone to... Taking channels out. You're going to start c cropping channels and pulling... Pulling teeth, yeah. <laughs> out of the desk. And, uh, but um, yeah, it sounds... it's. It, and also, you know, I, uh, the effects sound really, really good. And I'm contemplating on, uh, you know, I said, I, I said to you before that I want to maybe hack the the, the mini log uh, and to go into the, the to the effects section. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Somehow, um, having had it actually in here and hearing it on the big speakers, the effects are nice, but the, it's you know they're not yeah, worth I mean, the the effort. Uh, um, okay. But uh, but on this little thing, uh, it sounds like it could be an interesting. They do sound, uh, yeah, they do sound kind of good. There's some good extreme stuff here. I don't know Cinevibes how uh, well regarded they are for their algorithms, but uh, I think they're quite high resolution these ones. And the other thing that's cool about this is it's got an external input, so you can use this as an effects generator. As oh, well. it has an external input. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. So that oh, kind of makes I... it even more straightforward. Okay, then I'm definitely going to very seriously consider it. Ah, okay. Also, you so could you just don't get need the. To hack it even. No. Well, you could get the NTS one, right? I think because that's the same effects chips as a mini log, is it? Ah, uh, no, we're it's, talking it's about the... the. Yeah, we're talking about the. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, because no, yeah, I, I jumped back because Yoad was saying hacking his mini log to get an external socket in it. So I think he could just do that by ninety nine quid on the uh, on the NTS one. But, yeah, but yes, true. if this. Yeah, but, type but I'm not. Got, but I'm not sure if it's really, really worth it because the effects are kind of okay-ish, but... Uh, not okay, fair enough. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. This, Sorry to uh, yeah. subtract. Right. Well, uh, Rich, I don't know, uh, have you experienced the Greek 
the the Greek synthesizer a phenomenon yet? Is that something? Oh no, only vicariously through you guys and videos ah. and such. And uh, the, the Dreadbox products really do uh, interest me, and they seem to sound great. And I quite enjoyed watching you enjoy working this thing while you were doing your Friday jammy thing. Yeah, uh, that was really cool, and I could feel your enjoyment of it. And I watched some other videos, uh, listened to other sounds being generated, and it's just they're pretty. It's All of their stuff just sounds fat and warm and big and clear. And I, I don't just, know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've heard. I, I, I don't want to turn it into a complete Dreadbox love fest, but the thing that I found is when I first heard the Erebus, which was the first time I experienced that stuff, just the oscillator, you just go, my goodness, you know, what is it about this that sounds, What? why is this? Why is this so good? You know, and everybody isn't it surely an oscillator is an oscillator is an oscillator, and obviously that's not the case. But whatever it is that they do, the special source they have, you know, because obviously they went, they made the transition from uh, through hole to uh, surface mount, and everybody was a bit nervous about that. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's been any great loss of woof in this particular transition, or whether they've you know compensated. I, I mean, I have no idea about that kind of thing. But yeah, the Typhon, um, I don't think it's shipping just yet, uh, but it's uh, it's going to be about 349 euros, which actually for 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 a Dreadbox product is very is is cheap, you know, because normally their stuff's around about the five six hundred euros for the other for the Typhon uh, for the uh, Erebus and the Nix two, there the Erebus three they're sort of up that range. So this is a good a good price. I mean, it's not as flexible, it's not as discreet. I mean, you own, you you don't get a balance between you you sort of get a balance between the oscillators with this uh, morphing switch. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, Waldorf Rocket, where you sort of spin between mixes of footage and mixes of waveforms and there are various different configurations and then you can tune with the other one so it's it's not uh, to, there are compromises but it do, I, so far while i've been playing with it i haven't felt like oh it's 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 completely hamstrung because they chose this choice instead of the other so that's the thing that's you know that's kind of cool. uh, do, do you know if it uh, responds to csx by any chance uh, i don't think it does but i don't think it needs to it responds it's just everything cc mapped Oh, it is okay. Yeah, it's it's so programmable. You can, so you can got... build. So you can build an editor. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can build an editor which it would would be more detailed here or something like that. Yeah, you can because each of the pages. I mean, every single parameter that's everything on the slider has a CC number, and also so does uh, I think, also the knobs. I think so. I think so. I have to double check that because the uh, wow, I'd say it's got two hundred fifty-six memories. So, so yeah. Anyway, um. Congratulations. I think they're sold out already, so you're going to have to wait till the next batch. But, I mean, I'm pleased for him. Yanis is such a lovely chap, and I know Greece has been going through some pretty hard times. And, you know, the fact that they're, they're making a success of things is, is nice to see, and it, they're just lovely people. So, so yeah, I thoroughly recommend. I, I know it feels like an endorsement, but I, I suppose I just like their stuff, and they didn't get it wrong with this one. I mean, to be fair, like I said, I did have an issue with the... Um, uh, with the, the firmware just bursting white noise occasionally, but they're aware of that, and it's not final release. So I've just realised I haven't put the link in the show notes yet, so I'm going to put that in there. Pop that in and pop it into the uh, into all the places it needs to go. Here we go. So I do apologise for that. Um, okay, um, right, let's get on to some uh, Liquid Sonics business. Cinematic Rooms, this has been big release. I mean, Liquid Sonics are... This Matt Hill is probably, I, I would argue, one of the world's leading experts in algorithmic reverbs, high-end algorithmic reverbs. And this is their latest uh, quadraphonic. This is uh, by a chat called Synth Preset Steve. I mean, it's hard to get the exact, you know, get the exact effects on this because obviously it's it's over YouTube and streams, but. But there's a lot of parameters in there. So, and everybody seems to have been going great. Unfortunately, the uh, deal on 129 US dollars instead of 199 for the standard edition ended yesterday. So it's just a poor selection of time. Um, I'm going to come to you first, Joad, because I mean, you, you are uh, a DSP kind of whiz, I suppose. You know, you, you understand what goes on behind these things. And Liquid Sonics are kind of very well thought of. Have you had a chance to listen to this? Um. A little bit. I mean, I read all the, you know, all the blurb and it's, uh, you know, it doesn't say anything that, anything new. 
You know, it says that uh, the algorithms are really this and really that and the diffusion and all that. But you can say that about any algorithmic reverb. So uh, um, it, it's basically a surround reverb yeah. um, with, uh, I believe, 10.2 or uh, outputs. Or, that would presumably um, be in the pro version, I'd imagine. Um and and the fact that they 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 post about uh you know the fact that that when you change the the decay time then all the channels uh kind of ratios uh change accordingly yeah that happens with every surround reverb uh including the one we did uh the the R360 which we did like 15 years ago or something uh albeit that was a 5.1 because that was the standard at the time but um you know, it's it's another reverb with with good marketing. Um, from what I could hear, it doesn't sound exceptionally good. It's very convenient uh, to have the option of mixing in for Dolby Atmos and stuff like that without kind of hacking the situation. Because when I do stuff like that, then I use um, um, R three sixty, and I have to to do some manipulation and kind of matrix stuff to, to get it going. It's nice to have that within one box uh, or within one, one plugin rather. Uh, yeah, it looks interesting. It, it, the, the price is reasonable. So I can, I can say that. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and it, and it makes, yeah, it, I think it makes sense for someone who, um, who, who, who does a lot of uh, surround and, and film uh, music and post-production. Yeah, well, it seems, seems to have been getting quite a lot of uh, props from... I mean, our friend Russ is, uh, is partly behind the, uh, the the marketing side of it. But, but I mean, it seems to have been very much on based on merit from what I can gather. I mean, I, I'm not, you know... Re- realistic, tweakable reverbs is not something that I tend to gravitate towards. Is this something that would, would be of use, I guess, in post, perhaps, or in uh, higher music production? I don't, I don't know. What do you think, Rich? Well, I think I'd like to hear it properly um, in a properly outfitted surround environment. Where so it's hard for me to evaluate. Yeah. The demos all sound good. They the, all the Liquid Sonics products I've heard have sounded really good. The one that's supposed to be based on the Bracasti sounded fantastic, actually. Um, and if I was looking for an algorithmic one of those kinds of reverbs, this would be high on my list of things to investigate. I have at least two of them that I like for that purpose right now that I'm using. Algorithms. So I'm not kind of, I'm kind, yeah. yeah, well that, and that kind of, yeah, what I call that kind of reverb, it, it's very, it's uh, to me, it's postmodern lexicon um, as apart from postmodern TC or postmodern, whatever else EMT. So um, it does that thing. Uh, the, 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 I mean, the ones that I've heard uh, of theirs do that algorithmic thing very nicely. Um, I like the ones I'm using, so I'm not in the market for one. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's nice. It, it does seem nice. Uh, Dom, are you uh, you looking for a, a, a well high-end algorithmic reverb? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky enough to own a Bracasti here, and I'm very Ooh. much a plug-and-play kind of uh, reverb user. So I probably only use two or three presets on them. They sound amazing. Um, and frankly, they should for the price as well. But were I doing anything surround sound oriented, I'd still be that same plug and play kind of guy. So I think this would be for me. Um, they do a 14 day trial and I haven't downloaded it. Um, I had a real problem finding decent demos actually on the site. They're quite hard to, yeah, to dig in I and know. find. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get them for, I'm uh, going to get a 14 day trial, try it out. But the bit that Yoad mentioned, which is if you're, if you've got to do a surround sound mix and you're not maybe doing a, a high-end game or a high-end film, you just want to produce a, a surround sound Atmos version of something you're doing, the, the, generally the trick is, well, use the rear speakers and delay them a bit and put a bit of reverb in the back and, and just make it sound bigger. So you're not specifically saying, I want this object over here to sound like it's perfectly over here. You just want to make it sound bigger. Um and that, I think, is where this really comes into its own. You don't have to work that hard to make it sound really good. And then if you want to make your room, your whole room smaller, but you've already set up 
a different setting at the rear of the room to the sides to the front that the algorithm will will tweak accordingly and it will pull in everything else nicely you know you don't, it won't actually revert to your preset again so not knowing that much about reverbs apart from that it would be the one for me i don't know if i was doing dolby atmos constantly whether the pro version would be what i need because i simply haven't got anything to compare it to but sonically i'll definitely definitely get the trial because you've got absolutely nothing to use and even if it sounds good in standard stereo um it's really for me it would really depend on how much resource it used on the computer because i mm. i save a lot by not using reverb plugins and, out, and outboarding it digitally to the Recasty. so if, if it was um usable then great have it as a second reverb or a master one if you don't have the luxury of an outboard yeah system. that's a good so, point good point i mean imagine four channels or you know or 10 or 11 or uh, of uh, mm. reverb processing are going to be fairly chewy even even in today with today's uh, modern modern processors and and whatnot as we often find we're not kind of getting to the end edges that often well, i'm not saying it's not done but uh, um okay uh liquid sonics uh yeah it's 199 now so if you want up for the standard 399 for the pro if that's what you want uh cinematic rooms uh there you go so um what's the time so well let's let's do a competition we've got a competition because um well, I'll tell you who we've got. We've got a new prize this week, and it is Stutter Edit 2. From the mind of composer and electronic music pioneer, BT, in collaboration with Isotope, Stutter Edit 2 brings movement to your mix, faster and with more versatility than ever before. Stutter Edit 2 lets you slice audio into razor-sharp rhythms and moving effects, creating exciting new rhythmic worlds within your music. Instantly recreate the famous stutter effect in your samples, sound design, and beyond, all with a single button. Control a vast array of studio quality effects, all linked to the timing of your stutter edit, making it easy to add filter sweeps, panning effects, pumping dynamics, and more. Stutter Edit 2 is the fastest and most exciting way to dynamically elevate your music productions, sound design, film scoring, and more. Head to isotope.com to download a free 10-day trial, and check out our other Creative Suite products too. Yes, indeed. Uh, that's uh, BT Stutter Edit uh, with uh, Isotope. And uh, we're giving away a copy of that this week. Uh, if you want to enter to win the competition, uh, we're looking for, uh, If I, I think uh, BT used it in his uh, description of, the, of one of the reverb algorithms, which was brain-melting effects. So brain-melting effects, that's the, uh, <laughs> that's the FX effects rather than the full word as one word. And uh, hashtag stutter edit two, hashtag brain melting effects, hashtag stutter edit two to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, pop those in a tweet uh, and they will show up our, uh, in a search and then we'll pick a random number from the list of the people that show up and that's how we get the winner. So if you want to enter, you need to be on Twitter. Uh, last week's competition, uh, we uh, were going for Ozo 9 and the winner for that is somebody called buttons at buttons knobs i could use this your best mix uh, ozone 9 sonic state isotope inc so if you want to get in touch at your best mix uh, at sorry if you want to get in touch at buttons knobs there's so many terminologies going on here in hashtags and at then uh, please do and uh, we will get the copy of uh, ozone 9 over to you right so What's next? Uh, can I can I oh, just yeah. say something about yeah. Stutter Ready 2? I I purchased it and it's amazing. It's really really good. Um, the you know besides all this the amazing Stutter stuff that you can do with it, the interface is nothing but genius because you can um, you have a graph for every parameter which you can edit in very very you know much detail. Yeah which is a really, really good concept. But the algorithms themselves are, are really, really good. And what I did is I initialized it, which was quite a, a, a hard task to do because there's so, ma so much stuff and you have to kind of lock everything so it doesn't... Um, move according to the scale, to the yeah. um, to the graph so n neutralize that basically and then i created presets with just a flanger just a chorus just a delay just an each one of them 
is really nice. So I'm I'm going to use it besides the the, the stutter and all the these wonderful capabilities, just as a multi effect, which is really good for. So I'm really enjoying it. Excellent. Oh, I'm glad to hear yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had a chance to play with it too much, but uh, yeah, by all accounts, I mean, I know BT was very enthusiastic about it, but I mean, that's his that's his general demeanour, so one would hope so. One would certainly hope so. Um, so yeah, I suppose we've got to we've got to bite the bullet and really uh, discuss the news. Uh, certainly in the UK, uh, Korg and Roland fined five million over UK price fixing. This was between 2015 and 2018. Uh, I think Roland gets fined four and a half million quid, which is a big chunk of change. And I think Korg 1.5. And it's to do with fixing online prices or certainly manipulating them. I don't know the exact details of it, but that it's official. They've been, you know, the Inland Revenue have said, no, you can't do that. It's interesting because in the UK, you can't fix a minimum price. Like I think in the US, you're allowed to do minimum MSRP, which is minimum minimum street price, and nobody's allowed to go below that without the express. So it's a diff- I think it's a diff- slightly different market structure from what I understand. Uh, but yeah, um, bad news if uh, you've got to write a cheque for four and a half four million quid i think for any of them um i don't know what there is to discuss about this because it's sort of i don't know what rich uh, do, do we get this well, kind of stuff in the uk us i don't know if it's the same i don't I, it's been a long time for me since i was anywhere near retail and saw what these things do but when i was which was um, you know half a millennia ago um there was no such there, there, pr- what's called illegal price fixing in the US has to do with preventing a price from dropping below a certain point, which is, I think, not dissimilar to what I think I understood by reading about what's happening in the article that you cited. Um, however, uh, and, and what they would do is they would limit their dealerships basically to people who would agree to do that. And that's right, okay. apparently illegal because generally so what is considered manufacturer manufacturer suggested retail price msrp is the listed what we call list price which is their full boat uh what the manufacturer says they're going to get for it not the street price ah the map isn't it is it map that's i'm thinking i'm confused with minimum advertising i'm not even sure what the acronym is but what it represents is about 55 to 60 percent of uh in other words the cost to the retailer is generally somewhere around 55 or 60 percent of whatever that msrp is and where in between the actual selling price falls depends on who the retailer is how many he's bought um yeah. things like that thing things like that but um so price fixing is illegal in the u.s to the extent that i think it's it's somehow illegal to set a price below which you may not go that is above the cost price that you paid for it Ah, a, right. Okay. Because because otherwise, I mean, people could use selling stuff as lost leaders. You know, other people's products are lost leaders, so they can yes, eat. absolutely. You know, say if you wanted to buy the uh, the you know the Typhon, and somebody said, "I'll sell it for two hundred euros because it will bring a load of new business my way," and those some of those people will stick, and that's the way I, that that I exactly. think it's designed to prevent that kind of activity, right? Right, right, right. And and yet they still find ways to blow out products to get you in the door, and usually what they are, they're house branded products that have some other name that they've purchased from some vendor in the far off land. And uh, that's just retail. That's just yeah, what yeah, you yeah. do to get people in your store. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose the thing is, is it just sort of feels like a bit of an ouch considering, I mean, I, I think what with the world situation and the, the sort of what seems to be a dire economic outlook, uh, bizarrely, the music industry seems to have been doing quite well because people are at home, so they've got things to do. So there's been a bit of a surge in sales, so maybe they'll be able to pay the fine off. But it's never a good idea um, to be in that situation. I don't know. Have you got any thoughts on that, Yoad? I mean, it's a bit of an, uh, an uncomfortable subject, I think, all round, you know. Yeah, well, I can say that oh, I contributed um, to Korg my uh, 500 quid or so. For buying the, <laughs> yeah. the mini logger, so uh, you've done your, you've played so your part exactly. Uh, haven't haven't bought a, a Roland thingy for for quite a while actually, but uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know much about this uh, side of uh, of things, uh, but it seems to me that would Amazon even exist if those rules uh, were wow. actually. Um, kept. I don't know. 
as we know, I mean, the thing about having a one major retailer, because this is, you know, that I think maybe what they were trying to do, I mean, it, you know, I've, I've heard it described as this, you know, in many, you know, they've been busted for it, but in some ways what they've actually been doing is trying to stop the minimum price falling below for online so that some of the so the bricks and mortar can kind of compete because with amazon you know amazon if you're the size of amazon and you just go we'll buy all your milk say for instance let's just you know, use that mm-hmm. and but we won't pay more than 12 pence a pint or a liter for it and then we'll sell it for whatever we want you know do you want the business or not because if if it's not us there won't be anybody else left to buy your milk you know so there's this sort of weird formula which i think is difficult and i, I so I, I don't know whether or not that was the idea behind what they were doing which is obviously illegal but i don't know is it protecting the market to a degree it's very hard to know i don't know i don't know what yeah, i think, think that you hit the nail on the head i think i mean there's nothing good about this i mean the, the legal departments of companies like that should know to do better they don't make any more money from doing about this. They still get the same trade price. So when Roland or whoever sells a, a, a box into a store, generally the trade price for that store will be dependent on how many they order. They might have a better deal going on. But but Roland will still make the same amount of money whether they tell that store to sell it at a certain price or not. It's just a race to the bottom. I mean, I think it's quite important that the 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 retailers themselves actually behave because you know that a difference from two or three pounds on on it makes you know probably makes a big difference to the people that sell it now with online you look at it and you say well who's the cheapest are they legit yeah i'll get it from there um the there's situations in in retail in like electronic goods like tvs where people can afford to sell tvs at less than cost price because if they sell enough of them, the manufacturer will kick them back a bonus at the end of the year. So and they make their profit from that bonus. Um, so if they sell 50,000 TVs, they'll get whatever thousand pounds back in a bonus, which constitutes their profit. So as long as they sell at the absolute bottom line, they'll get the more sales, they'll hit the margin and they'll get enough back. Now that destroys the industry, it destroys it for, for bricks and mortar stores, but it also destroys um, you know, destroys it for customer the service. So, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I was shocked because I did, um, I did some consulting in, in in that industry, and it's like, how on earth is this? I know what the trade price on this is, right? How on earth are they selling it for less? You know, um, so it is a race to the bottom. It's a weird one as well because when you look at it, they say um, allegedly Yamaha admitted to colluding directly with GAC guitar and keyboard, but got immunity for telling the guys what was going on i mean this is this is really messy um yeah it's you know, not to, a, to it's drop not a, a retailer in it like that and and ultimately you know you're going to find roland five million quid where they're going to pass it on in their cost price which will pass it on to their retail price they have to so you know it's it's just there's nothing good about this ultimately no. they shouldn't have done it and and there's nothing good come out of it at the other end to be honest no i guess not, good. not. If I may just add one other thing, cost is not one thing. Cost is dependent on how much you're buying at all levels of this process. So the guy who's buying half a million of them isn't looking at the same cost price as the guy down the street who's trying to run a family-based retail shop and, and, you know, because he's not buying half a million of them. He's buying a dozen of them, if that. And, um so that's also part of the equation as to why it's hard across strata to compete. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. It becomes very, very messy. And, and so, you know, the, at a global level, if there's a strategy to kind of go, well, we can sell a million of these things to, to distributor or, or person A, then the guy in the shop's not going to get them. Or they might have to buy them off this other guy who's going to take his cut or it's going to go to, to increase the overall number he's getting on the price break. I mean, it's just... It's insanely complicated, I suppose. That's the thing, isn't it? And now product isn't really physical product anymore anyway. It's all this virtual serial number kind of shit. So um, <laughs> it's not even its not even like you have to go anywhere to get it or anything. It, the, the whole game has changed since the time I'm kind of comparing. Yeah, all this yeah, to, yeah. That's but true. Still. But yeah, like you say, Dominic, not good news at all, really, anywhere. Um, okay, right. Um, who? Let, let's have a look. Maybe we should do. Let's do uh, this guy because I think this is this is a, a good a good a feel good story. So this is Armin Cooper, who is in Germany in Leidberg, where apparently there are lots of pipes being laid. 
I don't know how long that is, but I suspect it's very long. I don't know if it's maybe doing a big U and bouncing off that end point. You, well, it's easy to calculate if you time. Uh, it's 330 uh, metres. A is second, it? exactly. So second is a 330 metres. So in fact, that's probably 150 it's got to go two ways. That's less than a second. That sounds like a half, half a second. So 7.7 or something like that. That's to the next valve in the uh, in the pipe, which they haven't turned on yet. <laughs> it's just such a great I'm guessing idea. that... I, sorry. sorry. Go, go. I was just going to say, I'm guessing it's the same as that other pipe with um, a block on the end. So it's going all the way down and bouncing back. And they've literally rather... It would be great if it was a U-shape. That would be awesome. But I've got a feeling it's just a long pipe with a blank on wow. one end at the other end. I wonder what so, yeah, it's well, like playing. 100. I wonder what it would be like playing in the CERN um, particle accelerator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, um, no, it's just a lovely story. Armin Cooper is. Uh, he says uh, he's, this is the advantage of living in a town like Leidberg. He says where there are abundance of pipes <laughs> positioned <laughs> in the pipe. <laughs> he doesn't go on to it to expand on why that might be, but it just. Yeah, he just mentioned that I've got. I'll bring the web page up there. So Allows him to see. play at different tempos. Yeah, sometimes I just yeah. can't stop playing. The nice thing is, when it cools in the evening, I sit down in the uh, sit down in the pipe, still warm from the sun's rays, and enjoy the sunset playing the saxophone. And it's like, yeah, what a what a what a marvelous pastime. I wonder um, whether he has to, um, you know, jump over any fences or anything to uh, to get to that. But it's just, I think it's a great idea and just lovely. But I suppose, you know, the next thing is, you know, those those spaces. I mean, we occasionally do these, Rich, don't we, where there, there's some massive acoustic space, like under a dam or an empty uh, aquifer where there's just sound. I, si I said, silos you... were popular in the United States at one point. All right. Grain didn't, silos. Grain silos. All right, okay. Yeah. Didn't you go to, didn't you have a story about going to a cave where there was a big, a bit. Yes. Yeah, I seem to remember. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I, I had, it was just my wife and I on this tour with this young person. And so I warned her that I might make some odd noises along the way because I would see these spaces and I just wanted, sure, you you give it the usual, but I want to, I want to give it a, I want to yell into it. I want to hear it. And because it was just the two of us, I had the opportunity to do that. And it was, you know, audio geek heaven for me. Um, if, only sure had an I, uh, if only you had an if only you had an iPhone based impulse recorder on your uh, on your on your well, system. Yeah, I, it's I, too early. For I that. use uh, I use clapping in places where you know where the reverb is interesting, and uh, and then I bring it back. I I usually try to do two, which sound similar uh, or as much as I can I can get it to sound similar, and then I chop them up, make it a stereo file. And load it into my um, into IR1 or you know convolution reverb and and create a reverb. And one time I was in Köln, in Germany, and the, there's a, there's the, the famous church there, and the, the the sound there was amazing. And I I thought to myself, I just have to do it. I'm sorry, I just have I just had to do it. I had to clap there, and everyone was looking, but. Uh, <laughs> so can you do that with just a, just a clap? Then you, you, well, you take the recording ideally, of the clap and. The, uh, so ideally, if you want to create a, a proper convolution uh, filter, you need a, a pure spike like a pure digital spike, which is obviously impossible because even if you got a huge speaker, it won't produce yeah. a pure spike. It will have uh, it will have ripples and, and things like that. So so what we do is we we generate a sweep, um, a 21-second sweep. You have to be quite quiet. It, the place has to be quite quiet and you, you generate it and then you uh, deconvolve it. So once this process is over, because you have the original sweep and you deconvolve it, and then you end up with a pure spike and just the tail. Uh, so oh, if, gotcha. yeah, that's how we did the the IR1 impulses. Uh, but you can get close to it with like with a clap, can you? It's like a poor man's the spike. Clap exactly. It would be better to 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 burst a balloon. Uh, there's also um, a thing that generate uh, generates spikes. Starting pistols, spikes. weren't they? Weren't they the things that always you, people used to use in the back uh -huh. of the day? Slightly yeah, the thing dubious. Is, no, no, it's not loaded. The, <laughs> a wood clapper. That the, uh, That's good. 
the yeah the 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 more the the shorter it is and the less harmonic content it has because your your palm it it has some resonance and it has some length to it so once you you run it into the reverb it the 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 signal will be somewhat smeared and diffused already so if you want to have something which is usable you the best way is to use a, a sweep and then deconvolve it to create the perfect wow. uh, impulse mm. oh, thanks interesting i like well, the idea you. of rich taking the balloons with him and uh, maybe a maybe a clown no no <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I did start from claps in any given situation i was in but i would also want to yell shout into it and you know try different frequencies on the way in to see you know it was fun yeah. it was a cavern it was one of these caverns with stalagmites and stalactites and you know just uh, a lot of liquid around and uh some of them were just these extensive chambers it was it was remarkable what it sounded like in there oh yeah well th those sort of spaces can sound it the one that i, I always uh, remember that a friend of mine um used to work for the defense industry and he got to visit some underground spaces that are top secret that are bigger than anything you can imagine you know where they just pile all this kind of weird James Bondy equipment that didn't get made from prototype or whatever it is, you know, and these huge, just, you know, endless kind of concrete spaces that are, I mean, so you get the same in Music Messer. I remember last time I went to Music Messer, you go to one of the halls that's not been occupied and it's just a huge concrete space and you just, just shutting the door as you come in, you just get, like, it's just this astonishing <laughs> full range, you know, it'd be a nightmare to do a sound in because you get like 27 seconds at 30 hertz, you know, it's never going to be good for a sound engineer. <laughs> well, we have played those. Yeah, um, I played those as well. There's a space in New York that was the original stock exchange at the turn of the 1900s that's all made of marble. <clears> and it's got a ridiculously high ceiling, <laughs> at least three or four stories high with a dome. And... uh and yeah. we've played in there a number of times, and I'm pretty sure at least one of those gigs is still bouncing around up there. Somewhere. Yeah, it's just the thing for <laughs> like percussive dance music, right? <laughs> You're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I've done that. Yeah. I've I probably told the story. I did. Uh, well, I, there's two. One was in Liverpool. There's Liverpool um, University Hall, which is marble, and uh, and I was uh, I'm not I wasn't a sound technician then I was a sound engineer you know I was just, and they just turned up and dropped the PA in the middle of the room and said off you go and I'm like what this is the, I don't know I don't know this room that was a nightmare that was a very sweaty day that one but the worst one was the bus depot in Berlin which I'm sure I've talked about before I, I don't know where it is exactly in Berlin but it was uh, on the on the east and it was after the wall had come down and I was touring with a funk band <laughs> a ten piece funk band and it was the same thing it was like here's an enormous space we've cleared away like a whole bunch of 1950s cobwebby coaches and here's where the gig will be the rest of the space is just vast there's the PA in the middle, a big pile of it. You know, you, you decide where you want it to do and how you want to tune it. And I'm like, oh, my God. And that was a nine second at 30 hertz kind of place. That was, uh, yeah, that was yeah. no fun whatsoever. But we, yeah, we played like, a church in Rotterdam that was like that from the 1400s that, that rings for hours. Right, yeah, that, that's hours. when you want to do the choral gig, Rich, isn't it? The kind of, you know, the, the Gregorian yeah, or the ambient version of everybody dance, yeah. Well, you bring one of those Dreadbox machines and start yeah. making ambiences with it, you know, kind exactly. of into a... Yeah. What a great idea. You play the delay of the room. <laughs> we'll play, we'll yeah, play to can, the... Yeah. You can save CPU <laughs> by using this reverb. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, so uh, I can't remember where that started from. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was the... Uh, uh, that, that. So, saxophones. Uh, yeah, saxophones. Starter pixels. We've got a couple of what, what left. Does, it, uh, the, does anyone want to do the Spitfire thing? Is that something that we want to cover or should we do the... Uh, yeah. It's all right. Uh, or we could do the nylon it's piano. It's socially relevant. It's socially relevant. Yeah, true. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Whichever. All right. Well, um, okay. Well, I will start. Let me see if I can find. So basically Spitfire... Uh, Teamed up, brilliant scoop. You know, they teamed up with HBO. They got a scene from Westworld uh, without the music, which just had the effects of dialogue, and they created a, a competition where you could uh, submit your score. Great idea. Beautifully, you know, you could legally get assets, which which were the, the, the SFX and the dialogue, but no music, and you could score it. I think, Dominic, you had a go at this. And, um, you know, great idea. J.J. Abrams was a judge. Uh, they've got a bunch of really sort of highfalutin names. Uh, uh, Jonathan Nolan, Lisa Joy, uh, Ramin 
Jawadi. Uh, I mean, like, you know, really. And they got 11,000 <laughs> entries. And they closed wow. it. Uh, they, clo- they they got closed on the, I think the, it closed on the, uh, what was it? The 3rd of June. Deadline was 3rd of June. And winner announced on the 19th of June. Ele- it's four minutes long. 11,000 entries equals 733 hours, which is 100 man days. Or, you know, however people, many people are listening full time. Say if you've got four people listening, that's 25 days each. You know, you get the picture. And that wasn't obviously, each. you know, JJ Abram hasn't got time to listen to 733 hours of uh, competition entries from Spitfire. So it's a real victim of success. So logistically, it was an absolute nightmare. And we've done a competition before, you know, for the, for the theme tune. And that's hard enough, you know, and that's with, you know, maybe 50 or 60 entries, you know. So... 11,000. I mean, I don't know what you do. I mean, how do you deal with that? I mean, it's and, and it's resulted in a lot of bad feeling. Everyone's going, Oh, I didn't like the The winner's a guy called David Cadell. Um, uh, I've got a little bit, I think I could probably play some of it. I don't know. And it's, uh, it, it, it's, I mean, this is what it looks like. I would just, and this is, um, the scene looks fab. Oh, I don't know if you can play this. I can't play it. All right, maybe not. Let me see if I can I find it. Where... <laughs> well, we'll find out. HBO? I mean, it just. Uh, okay, I'm just trying to see. Anyway, there's a genre change, and it goes all uh, chip tune, which is my least favourite yeah. genre of music. Mm. But um, people were getting it up to you about. I mean, you know, the judges choose what the judges choose. I mean, they're they're directors and they're people who make those kind of decisions. So that's the way it goes. And there's been all sorts of. You entered, didn't you, Dominic? And uh, I did. I, might play, I did, and it was I probably can't really play your fun. entry either. Yeah. But great. No, no, you could probably right? play the music on its own. Yeah, for a fabulous idea. It was really good fun. A lot of people put a lot of work onto it. There was no limit. You could be a pro, you could be um, a child. It really didn't matter. And it was great to have fabulous um, JJ Abrams made um, piece of video footage with all the effects in. And honestly, there were loads and loads of entries, but way more. So there's been there's been kind of a couple of things associated with it which have drawn um angst i would say none of which i would say of these two are particularly valid but there is one thing that's a bit valid which i'll, I'll come to last and i think that there's moaning because people don't like the winner well that doesn't tough. matter exactly yeah. as you've just said tough you know they, they did that's absolutely fine there's moaning because it seems that the winner had worked with jj abrams in the past i think that's uh tough actually and slightly uh, of a misfortune perhaps and they might have thought about limiting or making it in the rules before they started um i get the feeling that's an unfortunate accident but again not against the rules but there is this voting thing there are people saying that they, their, their tracks didn't get listened to now you can see on you had to upload it onto youtube with a tag and you can see on youtube analytics exactly when it's been listened to i don't know of anyone who've had one or two views both of them being them viewing it i certainly had about 500 views on mine including five or six round around the judging time but there are people who've said you know no one watched it and i think that's a valid criticism because if you've got eleven thousand entries instead of maybe you were banking on two thousand i'm not sure you're going to have to change the way the whole thing's judged and and it was set up to be the guys at spitfire would choose a short list and that short list would go on to the crew, the, you know, the, the JJs and all the rest of it to go in, which is pretty typical of what goes on. And how they got that shortlist, I think, should be clarified because clearly the team at Spitfire ended up with a lot more people judging those 11,000. And I, I, I can't believe anyone can sit for more than five hours a day listening nonstop to <laughs> this four minutes 20 as well. So, you know, less than what you made out. Um, and actually giving it any modicum of, of, of appreciation or, or, or kind of judgment. So I'm guessing they got 30, 40, 50 people and farmed them out to them. But I would like to know, that's all, because it's different to what was proposed. Um, I very, very much doubt it was physically possible for them to have the, the guys at Spitfire making a shortlist. And that's not a problem either, just come clean about it. But there was lots of, of kind of posts going up with people moaning and then a few people at Spitfire going back saying, well, basically, you know, we chose the winner. It's great. But I think they're kind of missing the point. It was the, it was what changed to get 11,000 entries to, to arrive at the, at the end game. But ultimately, like you say, it's their competition. They chose the winner. 
if I'd won, clearly the judging process would have been perfect. You know, <laughs> hopefully someone listened to it. Um, and you know, you just got you've got to suck it up, right? Um, but but yeah, it was really good fun to do, and I was a bit miffed. But you can't moan that you don't like the winner. I mean, you know, that's that's crazy. But you can moan about the process if it's merged and a bit murky and unclear. I think. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I suppose so. I know, Rich. You don't. You really don't like competition based around musical stuff. I know. In the past, you've you've, well, you've said that, but uh, I mean, I don't know whether this that. Uh, applies it's useful to remember that scoring scoring for a competition is different than scoring for a movie. Even if you're using a movie as the vehicle through which you're going to score, you might not do exactly the same things to win a competition as you would do in the context of a larger piece of, of mm. film. That said. As regards this thing, I listened to the the runners up in the winter. I, I watched their video. I thought all of it sounded very professional and very well conceived. Uh, whether I agreed with all of the choices or not, when when do you anyway? But yeah. but the but everything was to a very high standard. And if they had eleven thousand entries, I would bet you that somewhere between fifty and two hundred and fifty of them were really really good. And that's a, just a very hard place to be in as a judge when you've got say 10 people each of whom have 10 that have been considered and they like three of them each and some of them don't like each other's choices and it's it's a very I, I, we went i mean to some extent i mean on a much simpler and friendlier level we went through this with uh, choosing the theme for your uh your yeah. uh, show intro video yeah but but um it's it's i have to think that a lot of really really good work was submitted not the least of which was dom's and uh <laughs> and uh and um you know you're not you're not always going to agree with who won and i thought the guy who won did a took some risks and did some very interesting things and switching to that whole eight bit thing in the middle of that grand orchestra context was a very bold thing yeah. to do a very competition worthy thing to do um it was a bold choice and he won on it and uh i gotta hand it to him i mean yeah. all of it was good but but uh you know it was he made a bold decision to do yeah. that and it worked for him and yeah. sometimes they do and sometimes they don't and it could, it's situational and it's based on the director and the film and everything else the context so cool Good on y'all. I like the fact that they did it. Unfortunately, they got deluged. Um, but you know, yeah, I don't know how and you people got upset. I, yeah, I don't know quite how. I mean, obviously, you know, it's very difficult because I mean, just ju just the physicality of it. I don't know. Um, I mean, good problem to have in some ways. You know, having that many people want to win and that many people who are essentially potential customers. Yeah, thumbs up all round. I would say from from that point of view, eleven thousand potential customers. Yes, please. Yeah, I think it's a good marketing uh, move, or it was intended to be a good marketing move, but maybe they've kind of, uh, um, you know, got overwhelmed by by the sheer number of uh, of competitors. Um, yeah, I'm not too keen on on competition when it comes to music. To music, I don't watch all the, um, you know, the music competition related. Uh, shows and telly and stuff like that there's something about it that doesn't feel that i just don't like you know um and also yeah it's hard for for a few people obviously it's been the classic role of of the a and r people in record labels to to get a lot a lot of stuff and and deciding who they're gonna move forward in the pipeline and and such but um yeah i don't know it's an, yeah, it's a, it is an interesting. I must say, it's a, it's a very interesting kind of problem to have. I mean, just when you start working on those sort of numbers, it's like you get an entry. I mean, you get an entry that has to be qualified, and then you know, eight hundred hours is eight hundred hours. I mean, yeah. you know, that's like what even at ten bucks an hour, that's going to cost you eight grand. You know, that's that's a that's a painful uh, lesson to yeah. learn. But how? I mean, how would you? You know, yeah. I mean, how would you limit that? If you were going to do a competition, you thought you would get that many. How? How could you? You know, could you just say we're only going to listen to the first ten? Or I mean, how, how could you do it? I don't know how you would. I, th I think it's okay. I think it's okay to delegate it to people that you trust, who are experienced, yeah, and uh, that that will just sift through, uh, because I I presume that. 80% of it was not really worthy, but even the 20% or 10% or 5%, we're talking about hundreds. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I suppose so. I think I, I think you would you would switch the competition and you'd say, "Crikey, guys, what a brilliant success! Eleven thousand. We need to get it down to a thousand by public vote." And then yeah. we'll take the last thousand and we'll review it like that. I think that's... Here's the playlist. To, yeah. to not move the goalposts and to not extend the judging time. I think that's I where... That's a legitimate kind of criticism. But even so, you can't criticise. It's their ball. They, they play with it. It's great. And the winner was great. Also, the winner didn't cover the thing all with Spitfire samples as well. There's hardly anything on there in, in Spitfire. Well, the, other, so, the only thing about, yeah. about that, if you do a public vote and you've got 11,000 items, if, if you've ever seen... You know, I mean, we've all seen those Facebook votes. What's your favourite colour? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The top one yeah. always gets the most votes yeah. just because it's, oh, yeah, that one. You know, nobody nobody gets yeah. to, uh, I only got as far as 10,099. You know, I mean, just, <laughs> did you really? Yeah, difficult. You've got you diff to you, you move the goalpost at that point because it clearly, you clearly got to judge it in a different way. I mean, there are yeah. other ways of doing it, but I yeah. I personally, the one I really like was the the, la the last of the runner-up, Oleg Tro Trojanovsky, which was very... Mm. It's very emotional because he did a load of very. Um, that, this just spoke to me. I mean, I'm not saying he should have won. I'm just saying the one that I liked the most because he did lots of really sort of dream. When when the characters changing genres, which the winner sort of took to a very literal uh, degree from orchestral to chip tunes, he just had all this sort of dreamy sequence, and it really influenced the way the pictures behaved. Whereas all the other stuff just felt a bit. That's what I'd expect from anybody who was a scoring, you know, thing. That was a bit more sort of emotionally connected to it from my point of view. I would have voted for that one if it had been my choice. But. Yeah, but you say that that's the one you like the most, but how many have you listened to? Uh, well, probably about 10. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> right. that's true. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a fair point. I mean, how could you? Same I mean, it's a bit like the old joke and the f auditioning Fairlight snares, isn't it? At uh, two hundred pounds an hour in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> that guy from the Cars, I remember him. Took two weeks drawing snare drums into a Fairlight downstairs. Wow. I'm just like, honestly, <laughs> sounds good on, on uh, that, that track. Who's going to drive you home? But yeah, it took him two weeks to draw it. that. Well. <laughs> well, I could tell stories that Rick O'Casas told me about making that album. But before I go there, um, as it relates to Spitfire, I suspect it very quickly came to a point where they had to decide whether they wanted to continue to be in the software business or they just wanted to switch to the competition <laughs> business. And I really do think it got to be a very simple equation where what did we do this for? What are we trying to achieve here? And how quickly can we get out of this obligation to make this thing the Olympics? And um, I honestly think that as a practical matter, they hit a wall where they just had to decide, we're not going to spend more than X number of resources on, declare, on figuring this out because it only is going to do us so much good and we've only got so much time and so many people to do yeah, it with. And as to the cars, <laughs> I made an album with Rick Ocasek in 1990 and he told me a lot of stories about working on that album, including the fact that he would never get in a studio with Mutt Lang ever again. Wow. Um, he said that to me. Um, wow. May he rest in peace, Rick. And, um, and he told me that they spent seven days working on getting the sound for the bass part in the song magic jesus wow. they hired in every amplifier they could get in europe and in england <laughs> i mean it was it, apparently like everything everything was handled with that level of painstaking uh <laughs> obsessiveness uh, wow! I always the, he should have judged the competition. The he should have judged the competition. <laughs> 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 That's got to be a title. Moat Lang should have judged it. Yeah. I always, uh, I always wonder because um, I don't want. You, I don't really want to publish a title that says Moat Lang is on. You know, some. No. <laughs> All right, fair enough. He's still you, can't, alive. you can't defame the dead though, so you could use Rick. Yeah, no. All right, we will leave it. And the uh, no, well, because he's married to or was married to Shania Twain, wasn't he? And, and yeah, produced he some. Was. Of that, some of that stuff, uh, actually, yeah. and I always wonder how they that made goes, a Def Leppard together album together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I mean, her album kind of sounded substantially like Def Leppard's preceding album. Yeah, no, I suppose yeah. so. But uh, have you ever heard the life, the, the kind of career trajectory of Shania Twain? It's really worth listening. It's a complete rags to riches kind of. Uh, it's really interesting. Yeah. She's she's yeah, aston yeah. an astonishing, astonishing individual. He kind of it literally mm -hmm. got her to, you know. It, it, yeah, it was yeah. Much like um, oh god, uh, not 
Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll never remember now. Sorry, it's gone. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a good story. Anyway, um, that's probably a good time to stop before we get into any anything libelous. Uh, but, but thank you very much for everybody. It's been good fun as ever. Don't forget, if you want to uh, win a copy of Stutter Edit, uh, we're looking for the hashtag Brain Melting Effects and the hashtag Stutter Edit Two. Uh, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, we will be giving away a copy of that next time. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much. Um, Dominic, thanks for joining us. Uh, anything you, thank you. Uh, to plug? Any videos coming no, up? No, nothing uh, at all. To, just, no. um, yeah, check out Mr. Wiggly on, on YouTube. Just go search Mr. Wiggly, follow on. And uh, if we're talking about big spaces to make reverbs, the last decent video I made was about making them inside incinerators and stuff. So there'll be some uh, some newer stuff out shortly. So, yeah, all I can ask is you give us a follow on there, please. Yeah, well, that seems like a fair enough request. And, of course, Mr. Yoad Nevo, thank you very much for joining us. I hope now you can... I mean, the thing is, is now you've got that uh, Minilog XD, isn't everything taking so much longer because you've just got that infinite reverb going all the time? So you have to wait for it to stop before you can move on. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> and uh, how how about you? you you're back into uh, Mixworld, or you got some time off? What's well, I was uh, in Mixworld, um, you know, throughout lockdown and everything, because uh, most of my work is done remotely anyway, and it has been. Uh, I do miss uh, writing and producing with people in the room, but I get a lot of mixes. Uh, sent and a lot of mastering stuff sent and even some production stuff um, which is you know it's great that people trust me and they send me vocal tracks and stuff and I produce the 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 stuff the 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 song from start to finish here get them to re-vocal or something like that so yeah I've been doing it since before lockdown as well so um, so there's nothing new and I continue to work uh, with waves um we we do a lot of stuff and uh we release some some really cool products and there's some new ones on the pipeline so yeah been busy well thank you very much for joining us it's always a pleasure and of course mr rich hilton over there in uh spring like well sunny bird if you were to be a, a, a twitcher we call it uh um that in the uk twitchers are people who wander around the countryside with binoculars and notebooks uh, and sketching birds and listening to bird songs and whatnot that sounds like you're in the perfect place for that yes this this area of connecticut is beautiful and we have a lovely sort of open space here where the birds hang out and you can hear them at a distance and you can hear them close up. And yeah, you I sure can. And they sound, it's lovely to have them. But Rich, thank you very much for joining us and thank you very much to Great everybody. to be here with everybody. Yeah, yeah thank well, you. great. And wherever you are, uh, stay safe, stay sensible. Obviously, as the restrictions drop in some of these places, it doesn't mean you should go partying and uh, kiss everybody. Uh, just be safe and be sensible. Anyway, that's it. Thank you very much for watching, everybody. We'll see you all uh, next week. Take care.